Hello, welcome back to 1874 on The Athletic, the podcast that brings you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every week. I'm joined by Greg Evans as normal. Greg, we've had had a good run of podcasts, let's say. I think eight games unbeaten in terms of podcasts that we've had to do after the games now. So it's been good. But tonight, Villa were taught a bit of a lesson, weren't they? Yeah, disappointing really to to end like that, you know, to for, for Villa to end their winning run, um, you know, it come to an abrupt end, didn't it? Let, let's be honest, Leeds were the by far the better side, totally outclassed, outperformed, outworked Villa, um, and fully deserved of their three nil three nil win. To be honest, yeah, I mean, it feels a little bit depressing, doesn't it? You know, we're, we're all a bit downbeat after after watching mm. that performance and and obviously seeing the result, but I think we still have to look at the bigger picture and the fact that Villa have got. 12 points after five games is a very, very positive start. So, um, you know, it's not the end of the world, although it does feel quite depressing at the moment. I think it's because, I mean, I've forgotten what it feels like to lose because it feels like it's it's been a long time since Individual have lost the game. I've probably got a bit carried away in the week. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't really get the hype with Leeds. I watched them on Monday against Wolves and I wasn't blown away by them. And I thought, this is a a winnable game for Villa, a a chance for five out of five here. I can see us doing a job on them. But the the reality is, is that Leeds just completely outclassed Villa. We we couldn't handle the the pace in which they attacked with the width in which they used the pitch and their their energy levels. I just thought they'll run out of steam, they'll run out of steam. And the, the facts are, they didn't. They looked like they could keep going all night and could score plenty more in fairness. Yeah, totally agree with you. I mean, I've watched all of Leeds games this season and, and they've been, I think five out of their six performances have been very similar and I thought the Wolves game was probably their, their one-off game, really. Um, thought that they were excellent, well, not excellent, I thought they were very high energy for 35 to 40 minutes against Wolves and then just tailed off and lacked a little bit of quality in the final third, I thought, against Wolves. And that was the complete opposite, really, against Villa. You know, Bamford popping up with... with Three well-taken goals, could have been five. Um, you know, he said in his interview after that he was quite disappointed that, that, he, that he missed those other chances and rightly so, they were, they were really big chances. Um, and I think from the first minute, you know, Leeds, Leeds had Villa on the back foot. They, the, way, the, tra- the way they transition from, from defence into attack is just incredible. You know, it's two, two passes occasionally and, and, and they're in the box and um, Villa just had no answers to that. I thought... I thought Bamford, even without his goals, was excellent. The way he just he just um, he occupied Mings and Konza all game. Um, that meant that the fullbacks had to pull in, um, you know, and, and try and sort of play one on one against the wingers, and it, it just didn't work. You know, Alioski was all was all over um, Cash down the left. It was. Um, it was a tough game for Cash, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, he's had a really good start to, to his Villa career, but um, he, he struggled tonight, as did Target. And I think they probably didn't really have much support from the guys in front of them either. That was maybe the main issue. Um, you know, Trezeguet wasn't tracking his runners in, in, in the first half as well as he has previously. Um, and I suppose Grealish really didn't didn't support Target as, as much as he could have. Um, and it just resulted in, in Leeds totally dominating. Yeah, we just didn't seem to be able to ad- adapt to the game. Our, our game plan was there. We we defend narrow. To be fair, we've been defending narrow for a long time, and it worked. And it's worked, but it didn't work this evening. And we didn't really change anything up. And I just I just felt we didn't adapt to what was going on. And Mings and Conser, I felt like they were a little bit rattled by by Bamford tonight. Mings in particular, I, I felt like Bamford got underneath his skin a little bit. And there was that obviously that flash point in in the second half as well. 
I think for the third goal, perhaps we should have done more to, to get the get the ball from leaving his foot. I felt like he he could have been closed down, but Bamford's one of them ones that's, that surprised me because I, I didn't think he'd make the cut in the in the Premier League. But he started the season like an absolute house on fire, and he's he's the one person that Villa fans didn't want to have a night like he did tonight, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Look, you know, there's obviously a, a bit of needle there from from the last couple of seasons. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry, when you know when Villa played Leeds last in in the Championship, but. Look, yeah, he had a great game, didn't he? And sometimes it just happens, you know. I mean, similar to Ollie Watkins against Liverpool, you know, we, we were talking about Liverpool's high line is what served them so well over the last couple of years, and Villa found a way to infiltrate that and 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 get and you know just um, just make a mockery of it almost. And and that's pretty much what Leeds did to to Villa. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that they defended narrow for so long, uh, and that's what had been working quite well this season. Leeds found a way around that and that's what really does put Bielsa, um, I believe, ahead of so many others. He's a fantastic coach and and just has solutions all the time. There's, there's I mean, I, I, can't, I, I would love to know how many different plans he has to go into a game and if plan A doesn't work, whether it goes on to plan B, C, D, E or whatever, he just always seems to have different options and I think that's where just Villa looked a little bit limited today. I can I can understand in one respect why Smith didn't want to rip it up because of what worked so well in the first four games. Um, but I also think that he just didn't really have a solution or, or the team in general didn't have a solution to Leeds' constant flow of attacks. I mean, we saw Plan B pretty early in the game because he... He took a um, strike off the pitch pretty much as, as soon as he was booked and then he made another challenge afterwards and you just thought, this guy's a walking red card. And it's, it's a ballsy move to make a sub so early, but Bielsa did that. And it just, again, this is this is your point that I'm nicking from our WhatsApp conversation earlier. They bring that Shackleton on and he just, just sits there and does the exact job that, that Phillips does when Phillips plays. And that's the thing with Leeds. They all know their jobs, don't they? And they just, Villa, Villa didn't have an answer to anything tonight. No, I think the fact taking stroke off was, uh, you know, such a, a decisive move from Bielsa. I mean, it, it as you say, it balls it, yeah. You know, that's the that's probably the best way to put it, but but also very decisive. Um, you know, he he could see that um, potentially was was going to get sent off if he continued playing the way he did, and and Jackleton come on. You know, I thought he played well. From the outside looking in, you would think Villa had a good chance tonight because Calvin Phillips wasn't playing. But I just think that they don't really need any individual in that team. I think that they work so well as a team that they all they all know their, their roles in the team. They all know exactly how they want to play. And it was just made too easy for them today. Villa didn't put enough on them. They didn't unsettle them enough. And, and, and it made it easy for them almost at times because... There was, there was at times where the goalkeeper could just roll it out to midfield and within one or two passes, as I said earlier, they were in the box or they were up at the byline. Um, and I just felt like Villa didn't press them hard enough or didn't unsettle them enough. And that'll probably be Dean Smith's most frustrating um, takeaway for me, the fact that his team didn't really lay a glove on them. And OK, there was two brilliant chances for Jack Grealish, but... Um, it was just when Leeds were in possession, it was too easy for them. Yeah, and they, they just swarmed us, didn't they? I mean, we, we couldn't cope. Shackleton was their deepest line midfielder when he came on. But when they attacked, 
Shackleton was always in the box. The numbers <laughs> yes. in, in which they come forward, and I just found absolutely incredible. And then you think, well, if you survive an, an attack there, you, you can get on the counter. But Villa couldn't get out, and the attacks just kept coming. I think Leeds had in the high 20s for, for shots in, in the end. It was just a completely dominant display. And I, I don't think I've ever seen a team attack in the sheer volume and numbers that Leeds did. But it, but it worked. It was incredible. I mean, you know, everybody knows that um, Leeds are probably one of the fittest teams in the division. You know, they were in the Championship. It, it doesn't change in the Premier League. They're still extremely fit. Um, you know, that Bielsa plays his, his murder ball sessions on a Wednesday, I think. Um, and, you know, they're supposed to be gruelling. And that's what sets that team up. You know, they are so, so fit and, and they're so capable of being able to do that. And I think the most uh, telling point was in the 95th minute when... Leeds had a six versus four situation on Villa, and I'm thinking it's nine. It's the 95th minute. You're three nil up. Um, you know you've given absolutely everything, and they're still ploughing forward at such ridiculous speed. And I, I, I really like watching them. Um, I think they're a really exciting team. I, I loved the game that they played against Liverpool. I, I enjoyed watching them against um, Man City. And okay, it wasn't great watching them tonight, but you know as a neutral watching Leeds it's they're a really exciting team and I think they're going to cause plenty of other teams problems as well so that's why I don't think Villa need to get too caught up about it they need to learn from this definitely they need to learn that when teams come and attack them they have to have something back in return and Barkley and Grealish probably weren't really on you know on their game as much as they could or should have been tonight. No, but to be fair to Jack, he did have a, a couple of moments in the game. Obviously, he had the one off the line in the first half when the game was finally poisoned. In the second half as well, he went on that incredible run. Virtually the the entirety of, of the football pitch, Jack carried the ball and got himself into the box and, and got a shot away that was well saved by the goalkeeper. I mean, that would have been some goal. And at that point, when he's missed that, Conte then had a chance from a corner afterwards. I, I felt like Villa were in the ascendancy and that nil-nil was a good score at half-time because I thought, right, we might go and nick this 1-0 here, but obviously that didn't happen. But th- there was little moments and flashes from Villa, wasn't there? Yeah, I think the first half, in, in although Leeds dominated and had the best chances, I still found it quite encouraging because I thought that they defended very well. I thought the same patterns were going to emerge that Leeds potentially would blow themselves out that Villa would continue to defend well because they'd kept three clean sheets out of four previously um, and were this much tighter unit. And yeah, as you say, you know, a couple of really good chances. Conza has, has that great chance at nil-nil and, and, and Grealish also with his with his darting run from, from the halfway line right to the six-yard box. And, and at that point, you're thinking the game's still evenly poised. Yeah, Leeds are looking quite dominant, but at nil-nil, you, you fancy Villa to take the chances given the patterns of the previous games this season. Um, but that was it then. I think as soon as the first goal went in, I mean, Dean Smith said in his press conference after that, Villa lost the game as soon as the first goal went in. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. He almost felt that there was no real reaction to the goal. And that's what this team probably has to learn now. And, and we'll know more about how, um, how equipped they are for this season, probably next week, because... This was the first time they went behind in the season. This is the first game they've lost. Now it's all about the reaction and how they kick on from here. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, the last time Villa went behind was when they lost 3-0 to, to Manu at the end of last season, and you thought, right, Villa have finished here. We're going down. So it's been eight games since Villa have tasted defeat, but it's also it's been eight games since since we went behind as well. And is that, is that a little bit of a worry that we go behind and we end up losing 3-0? Because the, the last time we lost the game was when we went behind and we ended up losing 3-0. Uh, yes and no, I'd say no because of eight games that have passed previously and, and Villa have remained unbeaten, which to do that as a team is very impressive anyway. Um, and I think if Villa are losing two games out of ten, then that's still not a bad thing anyway. And I think maybe we're putting too much focus on one defeat. I think that's a conversation that maybe we can have further down the line if this if that pattern still continues um you know as the, in the weeks and months ahead i think now we're looking at how this team reacts from in adversity because they haven't had much of it yet no and that's the, that's the big thing now there's a winnable game next up next sunday at home to southampton I mean, I fancied Villa tonight in all honesty, but you would fancy them to, to give Southampton a game and it's, it's a chance for a potential three points. But it is big that, that they bounce back and, and they react to what to what's happened tonight because it did feel, I felt like Dean Smith, we went 1-0 down. I felt like we threw in the towel a little bit, which which was a little bit disappointing. Yeah, the, the, there wasn't the reaction there that I'd expected either. I thought that um, they just weren't quite, as I say, they weren't unsettling leads enough and, and when they got on the ball after they went behind... They were a little bit sloppy and didn't really cause many problems going forward, and that was a bit of a you know a concern. But again, it's it's one game for me at the moment, and it's like there are so many more positives rather than negatives, even yeah, though sure. this particular result feels feels like um, you know a setback. Are you a bit worried that two, two games running now, Watkins has kind of been marshalled and, and shackled because he, he wasn't really in the game again tonight, was he? Not not like he had an array of chances or there was loads of stuff going on, but that's two games in a row now where you feel like the defence has got the better of you? Yeah, he, he had the one chance, didn't he, which he'll probably be disappointed that, that he didn't put away. But again, you know, probably quite quite a tough one to convert. But yeah, I mean, you know, if, if I'm being brutally honest... Um, He's been Villa's worst attacking player for the last two games, which is, you know, difficult for him probably to take. There were a couple of moments where he held the ball up quite well and um, one occasion where I remember him turning his man quite well and and, and setting up Grealish and then the chance went uh, begging there. But I think still, maybe getting maybe we were getting a little bit carried away with his hat-trick of the fact that, uh, you know, he's still developing into a Premier League player. Um, I think those goals would have certainly taken the pressure off him, but probably still a little bit more to do for him. Yeah, and I, I don't know whether it's a case of he, he's been asked to do a certain job and to, to maybe free up the midfielders alongside him. You know, he, he he does a lot of unselfish running, and I feel like again, you know, it's probably one that we need to look at in in a few more games' time. If if that if the performance level of the last two games continue into the next few weeks, then. 
again, maybe it's a conversation there. But right now, I think he'll be quite happy with his figures. You know, five five goals in seven, five goals in seven games. I think he'll be quite pleased with that still. Yeah, but on the on the flip side, I mean, this this isn't my thinking at all. But you could argue that's five games he scored in one game. There's four games where where he hasn't hit the score sheet. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think that right now he's doing a a job for the team. As I say, he's very unselfish, and I think if you ask the players alongside him, they'll be they'll be quite pleased with what he's doing still because he holds the ball up well. He brings others into play. He creates that space for them. Just think, you know, he'll probably be a bit disappointed with his performance over the last couple of games, but knows that you know a little bit of work and and hopefully it will turn around against Southampton. And this was one of those nights, Greg, where we've we've questioned even after we've won to be fair whether the squad is strong enough, but. There's only one sub made in the whole game, Troy Ulrey, for Trezeguet, which I think, whichever one of them starts, I think that'll be a substitute soon that you'll see throughout the season. But there's no sign of anything else. And it's almost as if like we've got this first 11. There's maybe two or two or three more in the squad after that. I mean, not that two or three came on, but do you know what I mean? It's it's like there's no game changer. There wasn't a game changer to come on and, and, and do something in that game for us when we went behind. Yeah, so, you know, I, I watched the game with um, a former a former Aston Villa player who you'll see the full story in, in The Athletic on Saturday at some point. Um, and one of his main points when we were watching the game was that Villa didn't do anything to change the game and they didn't bring anybody on to make a difference. You know, when, when Traore came on, it was slightly too late. He was actually calling for Davis to come on instead of Trezeguet um, around about the 55-minute mark, just before Leeds scored, actually. He thought that that would, be, uh, that would give Leeds something different to think about and maybe unsettle them a little bit because they were so free-flowing going forward. He thought that maybe if, if Filler offer up something different with Davis's strength and uh, the way he can hold up the ball, that might um, you know cause them into a few different problems and, and just unsettle them almost. And yeah, he, you know, it didn't happen, did it? We didn't see Davis at all. Maybe maybe he's not one hundred percent fit. I know, know he'd been struggling with an injury previously. Um, and yeah, as you say, you know, Traore the only one who came on again and just didn't really didn't really make an impact. But you know, again, you, you look at that bench, don't you? And you think. Who else is there on there that could come and change the game? You know, there's no one like a, you know, like a Yedinak almost last in, in seasons have gone by who could just come on and just stifle opponents. You don't really see that, do you? Now there's nobody of that elk and and and, um, and yeah, in the forward positions, there's nobody that really can come on and make a spark and change. So we'll have to see how that develops over the next weeks as well. No, it does, it does show that there is a, a little bit of lack of quality in the, in the overall squad because you've got that first 11, I would say. Then there's there's Davis, Troy Oray and Conor Harahan. After that, the, the, there's not much going on, is there? And it, it does show you tonight when you need something to change and he's, he's not making the subs, that there's not much there at all. Sure. And, you know, it's like Trezeguet, we, we, we've, we've raved about him for his hard work and, and, and his effort and his enthusiasm. But when... When it isn't quite working for him on that front, sometimes you need an alternative. And Traore just didn't really do it today. And, you know, you just feel like maybe they're one attacking player short. But that's what we've been saying for a while now. And, you know, it wasn't the... It was an almost perfect window. If we, if Filler had got just one more attacker in, I think we'd have all been looking at that squad in a lot... You know, been able to breathe a little bit more easier and a lot more comfortable thinking that that Villa can change it from time to time. I mean, I was looking for reasons for why we haven't picked up something tonight as well, and I've realised those last eight games, Greg, you've been there. 
and then you don't go. <laughs> no, and, then, and look, and look I've what happens. I've missed a couple. I've missed a couple. Uh, no, are you sure? Missed, I don't I've think you have. Fulham. No, I didn't no. go to the Fulham game. Oh, okay. I missed that one. That was a 3 0 win. I went to the, all the uh, others, but. <laughs> okay, I thought, so, I thought no, I'd solved I'm, it. I'm I thought not, I'd found I'm not it. the missing element. Don't worry. Okay, I thought I thought I'd found the found the reason there. Do you want to just give us a, a little more on that that article that you've got coming up on, on Saturday? And it's worth saying at this point as well. Time is running out. If you do want to subscribe to the Athletic for just a pound a month, I think you've got until the end of the month to do that. All you need to do is go to at theathletic.com/villapod, and you'll be able to sign up for a pound a month, and you'll get to read that article that Greg's teased a little bit tonight so far. But I'm going to get you to tease it again, mate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so give us a bit more. I know who it is, but give us a bit more. It's it's a it's a, it's a firm fans favourite. Obviously yeah. re- retired now. Um, uh, yeah, obviously ex Villa player who um, the supporters will know very well and and love. You know, he was very infectious during during his time at the club. He, he agreed to to watch the game with me. Um, go through Villa's best moments, obviously, and you know pick pick out some of the faults and. And um, he's got a new business venture as well, which uh, which I will uh, fully explain about in the article. So okay. not long to wait, guys. No, no, no. I mean, I know that I've played football against this guy, so I know he, he doesn't like losing. But I bet he was, I bet he was entertaining to, to, to watch a game. Was it a weird experience watching a game on Zoom with an, with an ex-Villa player? <laughs> it was a little bit. I mean, look, you know, I, I know him from, from previous years, so it, it wasn't as if I was just talking to a stranger. You know, there's a previous relationship there anyway. Um but I mean, technically and logistically, it was a bit strange because yeah, yeah. I, I had my I had my phone on. I was typing away on my laptop. I, you know, I've got my pay per view on the TV. I've got all sorts of devices going at the same time, and and then I've got another phone recording the conversation. So yeah, I mean, logistically, it was a bit of a nightmare. But a really good chat. Look, he, he was so entertaining, so enthralling, um, and. Although he's a very big Villa fan, he was actually a very you know impartial analyst as well, and uh, I thought that was good. He he too started you know waxing lyrical about Leeds as well, which <laughs> I'm not I'm not, I'm not uh, selling this story very well, am I? Here, but no, I'm not going to read it now. <laughs> I think it was just it was it was obvious, you know, that anybody watching that game tonight um, can only can only praise. Leeds and, and and Dean Smith, the Villa manager, obviously said the same as well after. So that that says it all. Yeah, sometimes you've just got to hold your hands up and just say a team was better than you. That's pretty much what Liverpool did when Villa smashed them 7-2. And I think everyone at Villa's got to do the same same tonight. We were beaten by the side that deserved to win and it could have been more. And you, you move on and you try and do better next week. So just before we do go, have you got anything else coming up that you can talk to our listeners about? Uh, yes, I have actually. Yeah, I've got a really exciting feature um, early next week. Uh, again, can't reveal too much at, at the moment, but um, it's it's a, a former Aston Villa player who oh, I love these former players, don't know, but yeah. it's a former it's a former Aston Villa player who we haven't heard of for a while, um, and one that I think Villa fans will be really interested in hear, hearing about. So um, that should be going live early next week, Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. I think you do yourself a little bit of a disservice there because you're saying we we hardly ever hear from him. I don't think I've ever read or seen anything since he left Villa, so that's a, re- a real big coup for you, and that's what I'm definitely looking forward to reading because I know who, who that is as well because you tell me. I'm not sure whether you should or whether that's going to get you in trouble, but I know exactly what you've got coming up. Greg, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I wish you were under better circumstances. I certainly prefer coming on and doing this podcast after we've won, but in a way... It's kind of good that a defeat's come. It gives everyone a bit of a reality check, myself included. And hopefully next time we'll be talking about a win again, mate. Yeah, let's hope so, pal. 